The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail in the Coffin. I'm Tom Valentino, joined as always by Travis Yuli. Trav, how are you, bud? Good evening, Tino. I'm doing well, buddy. How about you? I'm I'm doing great, and uh, I want to hear all about the Cherubundi Bowl. I think that's where we left off last week, so uh, you're going to need to bring me up to speed on that one as we get going here. Okay, yeah, we'll run it down here. Uh, I don't want to jump right in with the, the hot stuff right away, and you know? I'll maybe save it for the end. That's Keep what people we call around a tease. for something. Yeah, it's a tease. I'll pay off on that later. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, while we're killing time, waiting for uh, that dramatic conclusion, uh, Mark Podolsky, sports editor of the News Herald, is with us. Uh, Poto, how are you, man? Oh, wonderful. Glad to be with you guys again. How was your holiday? Oh, Good. lovely. Just lovely. It was the longest Christmas season I can ever remember. And I think it had to have been because. Uh, it was probably, I think that was like the earliest on the calendar you could have Thanksgiving. So I, right. yeah, I, I, I think uh, I'm going to have Mariah Carey's uh, all I want for Christmas is you seared into my brain for the next six months or so. <laughs> you, you say know, that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> it's By the way, got... while, while, while we're talking Christmas carols, Trav, you've had the endless debate over which version of Santa Claus is coming to town is better. I would like to officially switch my vote to the Jackson five instead of uh, Springsteen. It's, it's surprising. Cause I ask the question like every year and I get different responses every year. Uh, this year it was leaning pretty heavily Springsteen, but I will contend that there's no wrong answer. Well, wait, how there, many there's, versions are there? Well, there's tons of versions of it, but I think the only two that merit discussion are Bruce Springsteen's live version from 1975 and the Jackson five version. Beyond that, I don't of- think anything else is even in the discussion. And many of the 75 trips around the neighborhood, looking at all the area Christmas lights, I got to hear both versions plenty of times. And for me this year, it was the Jackson 5. Bruce, you know, Bruce just, uh, it didn't didn't measure up for me this year. You know what I love about Christmas songs? When they, when they throw in the 70s, 80s rocker to sing a, a Christmas song. Like Billy Squire singing Christmas is the time I say... Uh, this was the time to say I love you. I, mean, I love that song, but it's just like, what is? What are they? What are well, they have that station. They have the station though that runs Christmas music twenty four hours a day for like the day after Thanksgiving oh, yeah. until Christmas, right? And they they just need to give them options. They just need to give them stuff to play. Yeah, that's oh, the thing. One one hundred two and one hundred five point seven up here both do that now, and um, it's. Uh, they both are guilty of playing like the same 10 songs on a loop. There's so many other options that you could mix in once in a while. I did notice that one Oh five would play baby. It's cold outside, like multiple versions of that. And I think they were sticking it to one Oh two, which decided it wasn't going to play it at all this year. I'll tell you this people that were crazy, like pissed off about that, like getting banned. I'm not totally sure those people even like the song to begin with. Like, I don't really care that maybe, yeah, it's got a little bit of rapey undertone to it, but <laughs> it's just a bad song. Like, yeah, does anyone actually it's miss it? It's just not good. That's a, that's song. reason enough to not play it anymore. Yeah. 
Hey, you know what? Speaking of things that are bad enough to not play it anymore, there's a lot of bowl games going oh. on this season. How do you like that for a transition? That it's is awesome. Well done. Pro <laughs> move right there. You guys were talking about this bowl game that is going on right now, whatever the hell, hell it's called. I don't know. But did you guys see that the first bowl game ever, apparently the NCAA confirmed, was canceled? The, and how fitting was it? It was called the First Responders Bowl. Did it was also in Dallas where they have a huge yeah. indoor stadium that wasn't being used. Oh. And, and it's like no one no one cares like uh, if, if you're one of the if you're one of the well yeah people that actually paid to get there but i guess i'll take that i there. saw one of the schools handled it pretty well they, i guess they refunded everyone's tickets and gave you them free to. tickets to one more game or something i mean no yeah. they don't have to <laughs> but but it's it's a good nice little gesture if you ever want someone to travel to one of your bowl games again yeah well there was that yesterday and then the game what was it the cheese it bowl Oh, that should have been canceled oh. based on the way that game unfolded. You know, I didn't watch a minute of that game. I just looked at the box score and I was like cringing, looking at the like the the the, the, the line scores for the quarterbacks. I'm like, somebody's like 50, 40,000 people sat through this game and said, "This is great for college football." I don't know, man. If I think were, it's, if I think they, college football's got. I think college football is at a serious crossroads, and I think they got to fix what's going on. I mean, you guys might have a different opinion about this, but you know, as someone who grew up, you know, look, it's better than it was, but I mean, for someone who grew up really looking forward to January 1st, like the Rose bowl, the cotton, you know, the orange at night. And it's just like, you know, these games, yeah, they didn't mean anything, but they did really. If you were a big, big time college football fan and the way it is now, it's like you got these playoff games, which are awesome. And the Rose Bowl is still near and dear to my heart. And I think to a lot of people's hearts just for the pageantry. But to be honest with you, after that, I'm, I don't, I'm searching. I'm really searching just to find something to motivate me and excite me. Sure. But when you, season. when you were a kid and you loved all these bowl games, um, did you, I bet at the same time, you were also sort of lamenting the fact that, the way they crowned the champion was incredibly arbitrary and they play these bowl games and then they just have guys pick who they thought was the champ afterwards. Oh yeah. But like it's, it's sort of a matter of which one, which one do you, which one do you want more? Do you want a really good way to crown a champion uh, or at least a decent way to crown a champion at the expense of the bulls? Cause you're right. No one gives a shit about these no, games anymore. I, I think, I mean, we can get into this, you know, as we go along, but I think in terms of like what you were saying, like, you know, when I was growing up, like, you know, look, I'm 48 years old. I'm I'm much older than you guys, but like, it was like all you knew. Like, it's like the internet. Like, well, you know, who who? No one even knew what the internet was back there, or, or a smartphone. Like, you just went with what you had, and it was it. You know, in in hindsight, you're looking back and thinking, my God, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, they play these games, and then a bunch of dudes, you know, submit a ballot or, or talk amongst themselves to how are they were doing it. And it's like, oh my, I can't believe, it's like, it's like the Stone Age when you think about how they used to do this. And I agree, it's way better what they have now. But I think there are ways to improve what they have. I mean, you got to subtract. You have to. And because it would, it would just make it a, a better product. And like, remember that, Remember that uh, that ad that ESPN would run for years, that Capital One Bowl Week? You know, it's the most wonderful. They don't even run that anymore. 
I think they're so embarrassed by what they're putting out there. I, I haven't seen one ad. Have you guys seen that ad? Are they doing that anymore? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I remember the commercial very well. Admittedly, I don't watch a ton of ESPN, so if they've been hyped, I don't know that I even I would have even seen it though. You know, it's I'm you know I'm yeah I you know these matchups. Oh my goodness, it's it's rough. It's rough. Buddha, this is the fourth year we've had you on for the New Year's Six bowl game preview, and I got to be honest do do we care at all about the Peach Bowl. No. With Michigan and Florida. I, I'm intrigued, as always, with Central Florida going up against the SEC. I, I, I'm picking them. I, I'm, I'm taking them. I, I fully expect them to win that game. And I just think it's it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out. And that's always a discussion. And, you know, I, that's something I think I want to hit on in our discussion about the future of, the, you know, the Power Five conferences as opposed to, you know, the remaining, I think, what is it, six other conferences? Is that right? Five and Power Five. There, there's five and five. Oh, there's five Plus and five. The, I, thought, I, thought it was, I thought it was Power Five and then there were six others. So it's, there's ten, yeah. So there's well, five others. Got the the uh, independents. Right, right, yeah. So it's just, you know, not, you know I, I have a lot of opinions about all of this. But what was your original question? I'm sorry. Go, you know what? Go ahead and share your opinions on that because I'm far more interested in hearing anything about that than I am about hearing anything about Michigan, oh, I, Florida, am I, am I or Texas, in the, and Georgia. The, the Peach Bowl, yeah, and the, you know whatever. No, I think it. You know, it's here's I. To me, I think the problem with college football is you, these teams are like you know I was mentioning. I'm, I'm rooting for UCF. I want to see them. You know, stick it to the SEC. I want to see them stick it to college football because. These conferences, in my opinion, are never, ever, ever, ever going to get into the 14 playoff. I, I just, you know, I might be wrong, but I would bet, and I think I would win this bet, that I think that UCF or Boise are, are never going to get in. Like, for example, Tom Arth, the old John Carroll coach, know him really well. He's a great guy. These players that played for him, vouch for him. I have no doubt he's going to turn Akron into a winner. Let's say they in four years they've got a non-conference schedule that has Penn State, whatever, somebody else, and a pretty good. In, let's say they run the table, they go four and zero, and they run the table on the MAC, they're twelve and zero. Akron is never in a million years going to get into this into the fourteen playoff ever, ever, ever. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I mean, it would be a stretch, and yeah, Akron would obviously have to get really good. Um, but I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember exactly if it was two or three years ago. But when Tom Herman was at Houston, um, they beat Louisville and Oklahoma in the non-conference, and they right. lost one game late in the season. I think if they had gone undefeated that season, they would have gotten in. Really? Uh-uh. They were. They were. I, I think they were ranked two or three in the country at one point. I think and, they got as high as six. And they oh. were. They were pretty much steamrolling everybody. Um, I think personally, yeah, I think they would have gotten in that year now, but it's going to take something like that because you're not going to be able to rely on like, you know, one loss in, um, you know, a mediocre conference or, or a subpar conference and just back in that way by going undefeated. Um, but wh- why you have do, to be why really does good. Why have no, no consideration? Why should they though? But I know they don't play a, a great non-conference schedule, but – Okay, let's you know look at let's look at Kel- let's look at Clemson's 
schedule this year. ACC, are you kidding me? They beat, you know, who, who did who did Clemson beat in the non-conference? Their best win was probably South Carolina, a, a seven-five um, team. You know, I, I I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, I think I'm not saying that Clemson's schedule is worse than they beat Texas A and M. Yeah, that's probably their best win. That's probably their best win of the South whole South Carolina. Year. Okay, but then oh, they also here. beat NC State, who was ranked. They beat the doors off them. They beat Boston College, who was ranked. You you take even as bad as the ACC, even as bad as the ACC is, and I agree with you. I don't think they're very good. Um, do you honestly think UCF goes undefeated in the ACC? Probably not. No, and, not. and I think that's sort of that's sort of this delusion we got in our heads, and it started back with like Boise State, right, when they were going undefeated and they beat Oklahoma in that BCS bowl years ago. Um, we sort of like deluded ourselves into thinking that if you're in division one, you automatically deserve a shot. And personally, I think they just need to scrap the whole thing, separate them into two divisions, give the other five yep. their own, their own thing. Stop treating them like they're on the same footing. Cause well, they aren't. That's what I was going to say. Like they need to separate themselves, create whatever you want to call it. The F's, F's something whatever. between yeah. FCS and, and the FBS. F- I don't yeah. care what they call it. But, but I mean, like Travis, you kind of make my point a little bit when you say, do you honestly believe that UCF, would ever, you know, you know, beat the you know Clemson or or whoever else was in the playoffs. So I think the problem is with this committee is that they all they, they always they always sit there and say, oh, we never you know hold prejudices or feel you know this you know you know disparage this team against another. But when you say, you know, when these guys sit in a in, in a in a room, and I talk to. Uh, I did a story about Jeremy on Jeremy Guy, who works for the Mid American Conference. He works in their uh, PR. Um, he's a big uh, social media guy, and he was out. They sent him out to Dallas to do a mock committee, and he says that's a that's a discussion these guys have. Like, how would this team do against that team? And they stack up the numbers. But then it's also comes down to a lot of times they just sit there and say, well, how do you think this team would do if they played in a neutral field? You know, just just that kind of discussion. And, yeah, and they have to look at they have to look Houston, at all of it though. But wait, you mentioned Houston. Like, do you think if Houston ever came up on the board and I don't know whoever else was might have been in a current consideration that year, Bama or Ohio State? I think that discussion would have been eventually came down to do we really think Clemson is better than Houston or Houston's better than Clemson and Houston deserves that shot if they were thirteen and 0, whatever they were? I think that's a the real thing. About it. The thing about it, though, though, that gets discouraging, though, if you're a, a UCF, is it, would they win? And, and we're all discussing these hypotheticals. Probably not. No. But at a certain point, like, how many games do you have to win before you yeah. get a shot at it? Like, put them in there and, and give them, like, one shot at it. And if they get their doors blown off, well, I, I've seen power conference teams get – slammed yeah. in these games Michigan you State. know and it's not going to stop Ohio anybody State. from putting them back in yeah yeah yeah, you, yeah from up. that point but it, it doesn't stop them from getting put back in um one thing you're yeah you i agree no exists it it ohio state people are watching ohio state they're they have a lot of money behind them and that to an extent that matters because these games need to stay valuable to the people that have them. Now, I, I think in some cases, though. I think UCF, though, I think if they did throw them into a game against Alabama, tons of people would watch, even oh, if they yeah. don't think UCF has a chance of winning. I still think people would tune in. You know, but 
the, the I guess the biggest problem I have is you. I honestly think you look at UCF's schedule, you could pick 20 teams out of FBS that would have a pretty damn good chance of being undefeated if that schedule. Um, so I, 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 I don't agree with you on that one. It, I don't care what I don't care who you're playing. To go undefeated is hard in any level of, of football, in my opinion. But you know, but you might be right. I mean, I'm not going to say, but I think that's to say that is I don't know that's, to be able, to go 13 and 0 two years in a row. That's pretty tough, or whatever they are, 12 and 0, 13, whatever. That's pretty tough. But who did they play? Who did they play this year that you can say, "Oh yeah, that's a good win. That's a decent win, even." Well, they, well let's let's. Well, I'm not. I don't have their schedule in front of me. They played Houston, who was a lot of people liked them in the preseason. They no, they didn't followed. play Houston. They didn't. They no, beat Memphis no. twice. Who I know has some pretty good talent. Um, Southern Florida. They beat right? UConn. They beat Florida Atlantic, SMU, East Carolina. Like they're like they're like third or fourth best win would be like the garbage team that Ohio state chooses to open the season <laughs> against. That's well, like there it's, it's bad. And yeah, it says some it's, there's something to be said for just winning every game that's in front of you. And it's nothing against the players because they don't yeah. get to make the schedule. Right. But when Florida reaches out to UCF and say, says, Hey, we'll give you a two for one. And UCF says, no, we don't want that. We deserve to be on the same, you know, same you know, level as, as the big teams, they're just not really accepting who they are. Um, well, that's, again, that's another again, thing. If you have a chance to schedule one of those big teams and you're turning it down because you want more, you can't, you can't then complain, say, yeah, none of these teams will schedule us. Yeah, yeah they will. That, you just want more money from it. Well, the, but I think that always go, that goes back to the point where Tivo, I'm really curious what you think about this because you're a Mac guy you and you know, you, you're, you graduated from Ohio university. Uh, you know, do the, Will these guys, will these these uh, schools from the non-power fives ever get a true shot? I, I just don't think they ever will because I don't think these power five conferences will ever respect them. And I think, I, go ahead, Tim. I, I would say I, I think they will in the event that the system gets expanded to a bigger field. That's uh, the way it, it's uh, going to have to happen, yeah. With four teams, I can't ever see a Mac school, for example, getting in there. Maybe one of the other group of five conferences could send somebody, but never a Mac school. Um, but I, I do think a playoff expansion is coming. And at that point, then maybe. I, I think at that point they'll they'll throw something in there to the effect of um, a group of a best group of five team. Kind of like you know, there's one spot in the New Year's Six reserve now. Hey, Tom and Travis, do you guys want to see eight or twelve? No. Sixteen. <laughs> no. None? You want to see? You go in the wrong see, direction. You don't want to see expanded at all. No. You want to go back to two? Uh, I wouldn't hate. I'd rather go back to two than expand us to eight. Really? The worst idea, I think, is six. I, I think it would just be ridiculous to give no, two teams such an arbitrary huge advantage if they're going to expand it. I think I I eight would I guess be acceptable. I won't like it, but six I think is a terrible idea because you can't look at me and say, "All right, we think the six of you all deserve a chance to play for a championship, but two of you only have to win two games and the other ones have to win three. Like that's just such a huge advantage that it makes no sense. Well, I mean, it has. They, they do the exact same thing in the NFL. I don't understand what like you, you're rewarded for, you know, 
Yeah, league. but you're arbitrary. You're arbitrarily rewarded, though. They're just yeah, randomly the picking two teams in college. In, in the NFL, everyone knows what you have to do, and they know yes. they what know is- when the games are done Sunday night or Sunday night. They don't need to wait Monday to find out which committee placed them at one and two and which two teams get a buy. They know who has what because there's this, rules saying here's what happens. This is what drives me crazy about college football. No one is – everybody's always scared about, well, we can't say, well, if you win your conference, you're, you're this and you're that because, well, what if like, Pittsburgh beats Clemson and a 7-5 team gets in? It's like, well, you you got you to gotta make some kind of stand. Well, that yeah, kind of leads – That's sort of why I don't want to expand it. Well, I see that I go the other way that that's why I would be more comfortable with eight. And I think I've said this on here before that it frustrates me that major college football is the only major championship sport at any level that doesn't have an objective path to winning a national championship. Like if you're a power conference team and you run the slate, you're probably getting into the playoff. Right. Um, but you're not guaranteed that that's that's not an automatic um there there is no objective path to winning a championship and and qualifying qualifying for the tournament and you know i look at the nfl i mean the seahawks one year went 7 and 9 yep. and got into the playoffs and actually won a game and the is nfl did fine though? Is it that doesn't good, bother though? me. I mean, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers when they won their Super Bowl, I think they went nine and seven, and they won the Super Bowl. Well, you guys um, are too young to remember this. Nineteen eighty, the Raiders were the first wild card team ever to win the Super Bowl, and they were nine and seven. Yeah. So I don't I, think I just, I don't, the thing I like the thing that sets college football apart, though, and people say the same. People always want to compare it to like March Madness. Yeah, March Madness is a ton of fun. You know what it doesn't do? Find the best team. I want to know who the best team is. I want I you to pick, I, and I'm okay if a team who deserves to get in is left out. Why, why, why do you say that? But like, why do you say UConn was a nine seed a few years ago and won it? You well, just have to get hot at the right time. Does, but those are the rules. Like, if you want to be the national champion, these are the rules. You got this bracket. Okay. You got to win. What is it? Six games, and that's how you become the champion. Like, I, I just like because they don't pass the mustard. Like, well, they got seven losses and that's not good enough because this team with two should have won it well everybody knew the rules and if you can't win that game why do you deserve to be the champion if you can't if you didn't if you didn't do what they everybody told you you had to do to win the championship and and that's fine that's fine from a basketball perspective though but the thing that sets college football apart from all those others is that the regular season means a lot it means That's more than thing, it does though, in any like, other sport by a yeah, time. I got a big problem with that discussion. Or that you don't argument. want what you don't want the regular season to be important. No, I think people say, "Oh, the regular season won't mean anything if you expand." Are you telling me if they had one round of the playoffs and two teams or four teams, all of a sudden Ohio State, Michigan won't mean anything, or Alabama, Auburn is not going to mean anything, or LSU, Alabama won't mean anything, or? When Florida State and you know Clemson are is good, a good game that came up meaning. I completely disagree with you. It's okay, so this year, more. this year for example, this year for example, Ohio State and Michigan played. They both ended in the top eight. They went into that game knowing that the loser had zero chance to get into the playoff, and the winner would have a decent chance. It's not guaranteed, but would have a decent chance. Loser of that game was Michigan. They were still in the top eight. If all of a sudden losing that game, they're still in the playoff and it didn't cost them anything. Yes, that game by definition, means less. Well, you didn't know Three that going ago, in. When, 
three you years ago when Auburn out. knocked off Alabama. But three years ago when Auburn knocked off Alabama in the last, or was it last year? Last year when yeah. Auburn knocked off Alabama in the last game of the season, that game should have meant a lot. It didn't because Alabama backed in anyways, but that game should have meant a lot. Well, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Though, is... If you expand it to eight, it means nothing. It's a Here's game that matters. But in the grand scheme, what? it means nothing. You're, you're telling me an Alabama Auburn game means nothing? Tell go down to go down to the south and tell them that game doesn't mean anything. If all of a sudden you can say to me it doesn't matter, on. it matters to those fans for one day. But if they if they can lose that game and back into the playoff anyways, yes, it means less. The reason we look at Ohio State Michigan as such a big game is because all of those years, it determined a larger outcome. It determined who won the Big Ten. It determined who got to go to the Rose Bowl. If all of a sudden winning and losing that game, you still get in the playoff and you can go, you know, get a second chance. Yes, it means less. That's by definition, that makes it less significant of a game. Maybe not to me as a fan because I want to beat Michigan every game, but in the grand scheme, it's overall significance is less but but what about in theory if there's more spots available in theory there's more important games on the line like there might be five or six games that could determine who who would be the eight seed you know i'm just throwing games out there like you know maybe somebody would have gave a crap about the pac-12 this year if they knew a pac-12 team was getting in there would they deserved it i don't know Probably not, but I mean, you know, you can't that, look at nine and three Washington and tell me that, yeah, they don't deserve it. See, but you're getting, I think, again, this is where about we all sit there and go, well, you know, I think this is old AP poll thinking. Like, well, this team doesn't stack up against that team. Well, yeah, you're probably right, but it's like if the rules state there's eight teams and we need to get fill an eighth slot, I mean, you're right. If this, the rules state we, we that, we can't that's say like this team doesn't deserve it. I don't want the rules to state if, that. If they're ranked think, eight, well, uh, like you said, like uh, uh, in 2002, a lot of people said Ohio State didn't deserve to be in that slot. That slot, they were going to get steamrolled. I mean, like it's just because it's on paper, it says it's going to be a mismatch. Doesn't okay, always but say you're so. talking. About, you're talking about a 13 and 0 conference champion against a nine and three team. Well, that's true. That's, that's too. not that's not that's sort of an apples and oranges comparison. I mean, one team was that really good. Team can't win though. One team was really good, and we thought they might be great. We're not sure if, and everyone thought they were going to get steamrolled more because of how good Miami was right. than than the argument that Ohio State wasn't good. No one is looking at Washington this year and saying, "Yeah, that's a national championship caliber team." Nobody. What I think this comes down to is. Trev, if I understand you, and we've had this conversation on here, especially probably more times than I could count, you would rather see a team that might be deserving of getting in left out. 100%. You would prefer to see a team that doesn't belong get in. Absolutely. And this year when Ohio State got steamrolled by Purdue, I was crushed. I was furious about it. And it hurt, and it came back to bite him in the ass. You know why? Because it should. If you lose games like that, you shouldn't just be able to, you know, wake up on Sunday and be like, all right, well, as long as we keep winning, we'll be fine. Those games should matter. They should come back to haunt you. It shouldn't just be a blip on the radar that you can overcome and back in. I just don't think that's how college football should be. Well, my my perfect world is keep the power five in their own division. Get these get these other conferences out there, have them play their own. My biggest concern is that it'll it'll never happen because 
and this is maybe a totally different discussion, but these, these FBS schools, they love the fact that they can play these non-Power 5 teams in the non-conference and, and get, you know, two or three cupcake wins to, to pad up their, you know, their win-loss, which that infuriates me. But if you had a system where only the five power conferences were playing each other, maybe we could have these non-conferences look good on paper and matchups that look good that we wouldn't lose our mind saying, because I just don't think like, you know, if you played a good schedule and you had a couple good vic- good wins and maybe you went 10 or two or nine and three, I would, you know, there, I don't think there's anything wrong with a nine and three team getting into a playoff field as long, you know, that's the problem. Like when, you know, you're playing three or four games against, you know, cupcakes. Well, you know, you know, how do you, how, you know, and then, you know, and then you're going four and five and, or, or whatever you are, five and three in your conference, you know, how good are these teams? It's like you said, Travis, it's hard to gauge, but if you're playing tough competition, the cream always rises to the top, right? No, it doesn't always. We would like it to, but it doesn't but always. Saying, in like, a one game scenario, it doesn't. No, I'm saying like, if, if, if you're playing good competition in during a 12 game season, the best teams are gonna are gonna are gonna make it through. They're not all gonna go undefeated, and there's nothing wrong with that. I remember a, a long time ago, I had a buddy of mine saying something when Ohio State um, uh, was playing LSU, and if they no, win, the, yeah, and he goes, if they win this game, this title will be tainted because they're not undefeated. I go, what kind of thinking is that? I, it's just, it's like. And I just told him, I said, like, this goes back to this whole AP poll voting. If you're not 12 and 0, you can't be, you got, you, you know, you, you got to be 12 and 0 to be a national champion. Like, you got to be undefeated to be a national champion. I'm like, just I don't necessarily crazy. agree with that, but you need to be near excellent all year. And you can afford, like Oklahoma this year, you can afford one game, you know, you're down a little bit, you lose on a last second field goal to your rival and that's your one loss for the season. Okay. That that's okay. That means you, you had a really like excellent season. You were in the discussion as one of the best teams in the country. You fall on your face three times. Sorry. You, you can't be part of that discussion. You lose by 29 points to Purdue. You can't really put up much of an argument. Each case is different. If you're playing a 12 game season and you got, some really heavy hitters in your non-conference and you're playing tough games and you're losing by a touchdown or something. I agree. If you go out to Purdue and get, lose by 30, you got issues. But if, you know, every case is different. It's, I don't think you could just say, oh, well, this team's nine and three and they have no shot or business to play for a national title or, or get into a playoff. But if I think if you created a, a system where it was teams playing against similar type teams and they're similar type conferences and, you know, like I said, they got some pretty good quality wins, and let's say they stubbed their toe two or three times against really good competition and really tough, tight games. You know, I think each case can be can be interpreted differently than say this team lost once and or twice and they're out. I, I don't know about that. You know, I this, we're not talking like once or twice. We're talking three times here. Well, just just because <laughs> a team loses three times, does that mean they're automatic? I don't know. Like it tells me that they're not the best team in the country. Again, but and that's what, what I the, want to play What if the case was like Ohio State, you know, lost to Penn State on the road by three and, you know, whatever. Who's lost to, um, let's say they played a good, like, like a good non-conference game this year. 
which they didn't. They played. Yeah, TC. They expected TCU to be good. So let's let's you're saying they was, lose to TCU, Penn State, Michigan State, or something. Let's let's say it was Texas they played this year, but then they also beat. Uh, you know, they won that Michigan game at the end of the year, and they let's say I don't know whoever else. I let's say I, Iowa was a ten and one team, and that was Iowa's only loss that year. And then not, you're looking at Ohio State nine and three team for an eighth final spot or or if it was a 12 team field which i'm in favor of you know i don't think it's the worst thing in the world if if a 93 ohio state team when i got in there i just this is personally me you know obviously you don't agree and that's fine <laughs> all right i am i'm calling a truce here we <laughs> i know <laughs> that's the thing you could go back and forth this thing will never end it's it's just crazy with the way college football is well this the system that we have for this year is that there are four teams that have a shot at the national championship. Two of them are playing at 4 o'clock on Saturday, and the other two are playing at 8 o'clock on Saturday. And then we've got Ohio State in uh, the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Uh, those are the only three games left uh, for the next coming week or so that I'm interested in. Oh, and I, I, w- which one of those would we like to start with? Let's get Notre Dame-Clemson out of the way. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you guys a question. Can you ever remember a season in which two teams, obviously this 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 uh, playoffs only five years old, but I mean, these are two teams that changed their quarterbacks in the middle of the season. I just find that like just kind of like almost a little stunning that they're both That's able. It's fascinating to, to me. That was the, the most table. interesting. Most interesting subplot that I jotted down in my notes before we got started. And the fact that, you know, there have been teams in the past, like Ohio State the year they won the national championship, where they had injuries that forced quarterback changes. But these were right. both performance-based. And in the case of Kelly Bryant at Clemson, I mean, he took them to the playoff in the past. So, I yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's super interesting in, in how those teams have – uh, run the table, making a change like that. That's incredibly rare. Yeah, and Notre Dame's like their their quarterback Wimbush. He he wasn't good early in the season, and he didn't really have a whole lot to you know hang his hat on. I'm not gonna say like, and he didn't really have like a resume to back on. It's sort of as crazy as the. It's not quite as crazy as the two a switch in the middle of the championship game last year, but right. in Clemson, it kind of had that same sort of feel to it. Like we know that we just know this guy's better. Like you, you keep winning, and we we know that that matters, but we just think this is better for us in the long term. I think I think it's a much more significant change for Clemson than it is for than it was for Notre Dame. I'm, I was not a fan of, of Bryant at Clemson. I thought he was. Pretty average. He was kind of like Jalen Hurts, wasn't he? Like he had a really good team around him, and and he yeah. didn't make a whole lot of mistakes, but he didn't really dominate games either. It's the same sort of thing that we saw. I think I think I think Hurts was a little better. I, I yeah, think I probably was, a little bit, but same yeah. sort of idea. You know, the guy just behind yeah. him was so freakishly talented that we couldn't keep him off the field for for this guy anymore. Who do you guys like in this game? I I kind of like Notre Dame, but I could see Clemson winning. But I mean, I I wonder how they're going to react to this the suspension of this. Lord yeah, all these kid. suspensions are weird. It's sort of hard to tell. Um, in theory, I would have thought their their defense would have been fairly dominant because we're to go back to our original discussion about like arbitrarily picking the four best teams and who do they think would beat who. Right. I'm not sure anybody that even the, those guys in that room that picked Notre Dame to go in. I'm not totally sure they think Notre Dame is really one of the four best teams. 
Um, I think hmm. they probably really? all. I think every. I think every one of them would pick oh. Georgia or Ohio State over Notre Dame. Really? I mean, but you have to put you have to put weight into wins, and they played a, a pretty decent schedule. Yeah. And they're a big name, and they didn't lose any games, so they're going to get in because there's a lot of coaches and, and athletic directors in that room who who want that to matter still. But I think if you if you said, hey, who do you want in the playoff? And who do you think are the four best teams? The lists would not be the same. I think the thing is, when you look at their schedule, I think I know they had a few games that were like pretty tough, but they they were fairly dominant in a lot of their games this year. Clemson, you know, I mean, Clemson had a few games that were pretty. I know that Syracuse game was was tough for them. And did they have any other close games? I can't I can't recall. But um, it's, you know, I think Notre Dame's schedule looked better on paper they had a couple names on there that didn't do them any favors yeah. by being terrible this yeah, year like Bot florida Tag. state and usc were both on that schedule yeah those teams are both bad you know they Bot Bot Tag, they, they, beat stanford. they beat stanford by 20 yeah um, there's syracuse they destroyed in 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 uh you know and clemson barely i think clemson beat them by a, a field goal or, or a touchdown it was it was a really they were losing that it was game. a tight game that was where lawrence had to come in and save them um, yeah, but yeah, Notre Dame, like they, they had some pretty convincing wins, but any other year, like this schedule would have been brutal for them with Michigan, Stanford, Virginia Tech, uh, Pitt, Florida State, Syracuse, USC, and Northwestern. Like if, if for an independent team to scrape together all the, like that as a schedule is pretty impressive. Now, a lot of those teams didn't really hold up their end of the bargain by being good this year. So it sort of made their schedule look worse than it actually was originally meant to be, but um, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm not really convinced on Notre Dame. If that's not apparent. Um, if they can, if they can muck the game up enough and slow it down, maybe I just don't see them being able to keep up with Clemson scoring wise. And I think Clemson's going to score. Yeah. I'm not so sure about how, how high powered their offense. So I think this is going to be a tight game. You know, Tom in Tiva or Travis, you, we were taught. It seems like the common thread here is about strength of schedule, and I just think, I think a problem with college football. I don't think anybody has good schedules out there. I mean, you can look at you look at Alabama's schedule. I mean, it it really comes down to one game for them: Georgia, Oklahoma. I guess I guess Texas, but they're nine and three, nine and three Texas or whatever they're. They might be what? No, I think they're nine and four. West Virginia, who kind of fell apart at the end of the year. What do you guys think about the strength of college football right now? I think it's. I, I don't think I it's think any it's weaker problem. than it's ever been. I don't think it's any weaker than it's ever been. There's oh, always been the haves and the have-nots, and and it's, I mean, there's there's eight there's eight to ten teams that should theoretically be able to contend. Now they need to make the right choices mm-hmm. in terms of hirings, and they need to hit on the recruiting trail and all that sort of stuff. But um, as long as you've been alive, how many times have there really been? you know, I don't know, 15, 20 national championship caliber teams. I see. I don't think there are that many. No, no, there aren't. That's that's my point. There never have been. I don't, and I don't even think there's eight to 10, to be honest with you, because I I mean, it's it's Alabama, it's Clemson. And then there's a second tier with Oklahoma and Ohio state and Georgia and, and Georgia. And then after that, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Notre Dame enters that discussion now, but uh, but but, the, but I'm I'm talking more of like an overall 
program position of strength. Michigan should be able to. USC should be able to. Texas should be able to. These are teams that should be able to contend. Now, like I said, they need to hire the right guys. It usually takes a few years. Ohio State was incredibly lucky, obviously, with the Urban Meyer situation. Oklahoma's gotten really lucky that Lincoln Riley was already there and they already had, you know, Baker Mayfield and all these things. Like those are sort of those guys when coaches leave not on their own accord or or leave on their own accord for for other reasons not compared to performance, those jobs tend to stay really good, right? And they can get the right guy in there and they they can sort of have that continuity and stay good. But like a Texas, they they made a bad, bad hire a few years ago and it, it's taken Tom Herman a little bit of time, but I don't think anyone will argue that Texas can't contend. That's the thing, though. Like everything you're saying sounds great in theory, but they're not doing it. They're not like contending. every year. I mean, we yeah. we said this at the beginning of the year. I when we did a our college football preview in mid to late August, I think we had three of the four playoff teams pegged already, and we were like, okay, is there going to be any team? that can crash this thing that has never made it before. And I think we might've thrown out Washington or maybe a couple other teams. And I don't remember Notre Dame coming up, but um, it's the same teams every year. And I, and I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, getting into the system with four teams, I kind of felt like it was going to open things up a bit and, you know, give a chance to some more teams to, you know, play for a national championship that we haven't seen in, what's weird is it's actually gone in the other direction because Clemson and Alabama especially have really separated themselves uh, from the rest of the field. Yeah, that's a good point. You would think by expanding it, you'd get more parity and more separation from those teams, but that hasn't been the case. That's a good point. I I honestly haven't even really thought of that. They're earning it. I'm not, that's nothing against them. I mean, they're doing what they have to do. They're winning games. They get into the playoff. They win their semifinal games unless you're Alabama playing Ohio state. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be, I just feel like this whole thing feels a little bit stale this year or a lot stale this year. And it's going to continue that way until there's some sort of a shakeup and kind of felt like we might've been getting that last year with Georgia, uh, coming on the scene. And, you know, they kind of took a little bit of a, a step back, I, I guess, this year when, you know, blowing the, the SEC title game. Um, but uh, it just feels like until we see some different faces in there, I, I don't know. That's yeah. not a bad point. I mean, but the thing is, you can't really, like, that's on those other teams to do it. Right. Well, can they do it? That's the problem. I mean, like, the, when I was asking about the strength of college football right now, you know, I think, you know, Let's just go in the last, I mean, because everything runs in cycles. So let's go in the last 10 years. I think you mentioned Georgia real early. And I mean, before last season, that was a program that was having some issues. You know, they were like in that seven, five, six, and six mode for about three or four year stretch, five, almost a five year stretch. You know, I think Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, in the last 10 years, I think those really are the four teams in the last 10 years that you can consistently say we're always competing for a national championship. I don't know where that comes. I don't know where that, where, how that, you know, if you say that's a strength, I guess, you know, like you mentioned, everybody's saying, where, when's Michigan going to come up? I mean, actually Penn state's been more of a factor than Michigan has been in the last three or four years. 
ACC, I mean, come on, that, that's a, you know outside of Clemson, USC, they're they're fall, you know they fell off the face of the earth. Even when they had Darnell, I mean, they they lost two games that when they had Darnell, it might have been three games. I can't remember. Well, the third one was the bowl game against Ohio State. Yeah, it's it's tough to find enough teams that you think. But you say that, but at the end of every season, we're still talking about two or three more teams that maybe deserved a chance to be in. That's true. Yeah, like we we haven't we haven't really gotten to a um we haven't I don't know that we've had a result or a four teams picked so far where everyone has said yeah that's obviously the four right ones they got it 100 percent right and there's no not much debate. Well, about you're it. never gonna have. I mean, you're never gonna have that when it's when it's a bunch of people picking it. There's always gonna be discussion. And look at the look at the basketball tournament. Everybody sits there and complains about these bubble teams that, that are you know 20 and 13 that don't get in. I mean, like they they act like it's the end of the world. You know what I mean? So I that's always gonna be there. No matter if if you go to eight, the nine is gonna complain. If you go to 12, the 13 is gonna complain. No, it'll it'll never end. All right, oh. let me ask you this. So just kind of transitioning from the Clemson Notre Dame game to Alabama, Oklahoma, pretty decisive betting lines on these two games. Which of the underdogs do you guys think has a better chance of winning their game on Saturday? Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma. And I, I I'd probably still lean I probably still think Alabama wins. Um but Oklahoma's gonna score a lot of points, no matter what. Um I could see Notre Dame having a hard time scoring. I I can't see any scenario where Oklahoma doesn't score a lot. Oh, I thought I completely disagree. I think Notre Dame's got a much better shot just because they can play some defense. I think I think Oklahoma's going to get absolutely just gashed on defense. I mean, and when you say a lot, Travis, what do you mean by a lot by Oklahoma? If they, if, Thirty-five. Oh, I don't I'd know be stunned that. if they don't break thirty. Yeah. I, I I I would take the under on thirty with Oklahoma. I I, mm. didn't, I mean, I, I I'm curious. Do you think they're gonna face? Do you think they face anything within remotely any kind of defense that Bama plays this year? Oh, no, in in the Big Twelve. Uh, oh, no in the Big Twelve. Way. No, <laughs> you no mean, Big Twelve's the Big Twelve's garbage, and that's you know what I mean. Like, so I think this is going to be a little bit of a wake up call for. It's sort of a chicken or the egg, egg type of thing, though. Is the Big Twelve really so bad on defense, or are the we always say that like the Big Twelve offenses score a lot because they go against Big Twelve defenses? Well, is it maybe that the offenses are actually good and the defenses just have to go against Big Twelve offenses every week? I don't think so, but you can definitely make you know you can make the argument that it that it goes that way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Oklahoma hasn't, they've been kept under 30 once and it was that goofy game against army where they probably only touched the ball five times because yeah. our army, I think killed 45 minutes worth of clock. Um, 30, they kept under they kept the the 37 once forties, fifties, sixties, every army other ended game. Up being pretty good, dude. 11 and 10. Yeah, they did have a damn good season. They did have yeah. a really good season, but I, I mean, I think- you look at the way they play it. Oklahoma didn't score a lot just because they didn't get the ball a lot. It wasn't because I, Army was stifling the whole game. I will say this. Yeah, but I, I think that the more entertaining game is to watch, just from our fan perspective, is Oklahoma-Alabama. The Heisman winner, and we haven't really touched about this. You know, Tua, they say he's only about 80% on that ankle. That that could be a real interesting development if he takes a hit or if Hurts has to go in there. And we saw what he did in the SEC championship. I, 
you know, yeah, that's super. That's super interesting to me that he is still only 80, 85% or whatever they're saying. Um, because they've had, I think it's going to be 27 or 28 days off between games. Well, it's probably a high ankle sprain, I'm guessing, which they'll never right. tell you. Probably is, though. Yeah, but I mean, just think about, I mean, having that much downtime. And I was actually, I was going to mention that layoff in the context of you're talking about the degree of difficulty of going up against the an Alabama defense, you're also getting them with that much time to game plan against Oklahoma. And I, I do think that's going to be uh, extra difficult, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me that he's still hobbling that much and yeah. what they look like and how short of a leash he's on, you know, if he comes up hobbling in the first quarter, how long do they let him go and how quickly are they to you go to Jalen hurts, yeah. especially, the way he played in the SEC title game. That sort of goes back to your point, Poto, too, of um, Alabama could be gashing them. If if Oklahoma gets up 14 nothing early and Alabama yeah. has to throw and, you know, two is not 100%, that can change that game pretty damn quickly. Yeah. I'm not saying that game is going to be a blowout. I, I think it won't be this like this tremendous shootout like maybe a lot of people think. I do. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that game's going to be good. good. I don't know if that game's going to be good, Alabama, Oklahoma. But one way or another, I think there's going to be a ton of points, and and it's going to be wild. I just that does not hmm. that 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 game's going to be crazy. I love that that's the late game, and it's good. It's either going to be spectacular or a spectacular disaster, and there's going to be no in between. <laughs> so, Poto, moving to the next one, Poto. It sounds like you might be leaning towards taking Notre Dame. Straight up, oh, not yeah. I, spread. Are you I, taking? I, I'm going to pick Notre Dame really? to win flat out, not against yeah. the points. No, Spicy. I, I, I think they're going to win that game. I don't know. I just I think they play good D. I like Ian Book. I think this. I think this could be like a 24-21 kind of game, field goal game in the last minute or something. I will say it always feels like, and I think coming into this game, the one team that everybody is sort of saying, you know, I just don't really think they're that good. It's Notre Dame it kind of does feel like every time there's one of those teams that teams kind of sneaks up and wins the game, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you look at Ohio state when it was Ohio state, Alabama, no one really realized ever. Everyone was sort of saying it should have been TCU or Baylor or an Ohio right. state back their way in. And they weren't really that good. And they proved they were far and away the best team. Um, and I, there's lots of instances like that, but it kind of feels like every time there's one team that comes into one of these big games like this, um, not getting a whole lot of respect, they, they seem to win. So You're I'm not right. going to say that's crazy. I don't know that I see it happening in this game, but it, it wouldn't stun me either because it kind of just seems like it always goes that way. You're right, but at the same time, this Notre Dame team does not have Zeke Elliott and Joey Bosa nah. and, and and all the thoroughbreds that run. through that door. Joey Bosa's not walking through that door. Mike Thomas isn't walking through that door. They got some pretty door. good running backs, though, in Notre Dame. They're not great, but they got some pretty good They got some pretty good. <sighs> Rattling off that Ohio State team again. It is, it's, I know. It's maddening absurd. that they didn't get it in 2015. You guys want to know? I got my Sports Illustrated preview uh, magazine. You want to know who their top four was this year? For what? Al- play- for what they expected for the playoff? Yeah, Clemson one, Alabama two, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Oh yeah, Wisconsin three. Whoops. Washington shit all over themselves this year. Washington four. Yeah, it's. I I didn't think Wisconsin would be as bad as they were. Jonathan Taylor said a great year, but they. Hornybrook's terrible. Like their their quarterback sucks. You can't win it. You can't win that much in college with a terrible quarterback. He doesn't pass the name test either. 
No, I, I, I go past this every no. every time. Every quor- quarterback, you need to pass the name test, like to be good. And no, Hornybrook yeah, no. is not a not a, a successful quarterback name. Sorry to the Hornybrook family. Um, <laughs> hey, do you guys think uh, before we get on to the Rose Bowl, do you guys think uh, with Bryce Love not playing, Will Greer not playing, Ed Oliver from Houston, you know, sitting? I mean, all these like all American type players. Do you think that'll do you think they have will have any kind of effect on the way the bowl game if they do want to change the bowl system and No, I don't think so. Cut back on a number of games. I, mean, I think I, I think if the team if the team's not in the in the playoff, guys are gonna continue to sit. If teams are in the playoff, the guys will play. Um I was I'll be honest, I completely forgot that Bryce Love was even a person. Like he was so good last year, and then he announced like he was skipping the bowl game. I'm like, holy shit, I totally forgot that he yep. existed. All right, well, maybe this is a good segue then. Are are you surprised that Dwayne Haskins is playing in the Rose Bowl? Kind of, yeah. Really? If he was my, if he was my kid, I might advise him to sit. Well, he hasn't even announced if he's coming out, though, right? Eh, yeah, no, but, but that's that's sort of part of it. I, if he was my kid, I'd tell him you're I – w- I mean, obviously, you can't make him. He's, he's an adult. He's 22 years old or 21 years old. But I would tell him you should sit. You're, you should go pro now. Like, he's going to be the first quarterback in the draft if he comes out, especially with Herbert announcing he's coming back. Nah, I think that's up for debate. He might be, but I think there's about five or six guys. It depends on how, how the bowl games or the all-star games play out. You know, it's that's sort of my point. It depends on the bowl games. Right now, he's number one, and I don't see five, four or five guys convincingly passing him. The only situation I could see is him playing really poorly and playing his way out of that position. Where have you seen him ranked number one? Um, Literally every scout, every mock draft I've had had him either one or two behind Herbert. Huh. Okay. I've seen other guys. Like the other guys that I've seen like mentioned as like first round guys are like Drew Locke, the kid from Missouri, and no one thinks he's in the same class as Haskins from what I can tell. Yeah. Um, it's a bunch. I mean, it's a bunch of names that this Duke kid who was playing today. People really like. I mean, you know, do you think we're ever going to come to a day where an underclassman who we know is coming back the next year will set out a bowl game? No, not if he knows he's coming back. Well, that's what I'm saying. What if Haskins? You know, we, we like what you were saying. Like when when a kid doesn't announce before the bowl game, and then he sits out. You don't even, you know, no, because they get. I think they get their they get their NFL grades back before that. Right. So I, just... I'd be. I. I mean, maybe. I think it'd be kind of a stretch, though. He. It, I think that would probably hurt his his draft stock. And the only guys that should be doing this are, in my opinion, running backs, regardless of where they think they're going to get drafted. If if they think they're going to get drafted, they should probably go pro and and, and sit out. Um, like Mike Weber, who's leaving early. I don't know how high of a pick he's going to be, but he doesn't have a whole lot of room to move up. And running backs are the, one of those things, you know right away if they're going to be really good or not. If they're going to be pretty good, fifth, sixth, seventh round guy, that is what it is. Go start getting paid because those checks run out really quick for running backs. <laughs> like they don't, yeah. they do Short not last shot. long. Right, do you, exactly. Do you, you have no problem with Bosa just calling a season no. after the first three no. games? No, I mean, I have to look at it from a perspective. As an Ohio State fan, I would have loved to see him come back. But I have to look at it from a perspective of what they did when they recruited him. They told him, hey, we're going to put you in the best position we possibly can to compete for national titles, 
win a bunch of games, and eventually be drafted as high as possible. They did that. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't need to do anything else, right? And if it was my kid, I like I said, I would tell him to sit, to sit, take as much time as he needs to get to 100. Um, percent Especially with like what happened, his brother's been trying to rehab. He's missed some time to injury in his career. Um, I just don't. I don't see the benefit to him individually. And yes, it's a team sport, and you should care about the team. And as Ohio State loves to talk about the brotherhood and all that shit, but. At the end of the day, these guys go to college so that they can do something bigger down but, the I mean, road. But you mentioned how only like running backs and quarterbacks should, should be doing this, sitting out. No, I think if you're a really top, if you're like a, a first-round talent, okay, if you're going to be like a fourth-round defensive lineman, then right. then you should keep playing. But if you get that grade back from the NFL and they say, yeah, you, you grade it out really high, you're going to be probably a first-round, maybe second-round pick, then, then go for it. I don't. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them sitting at that point. I, I guess I'll tell you, if I was, if I was, a, if I was a kid in college, right, and I was a semester away from, from graduating, and some company called me and said, "Hey, we're gonna pay 150 grand to come work for us, but you gotta, you gotta stop school right now." Okay. Yeah. When I'll be there on Monday. I guess my thing is like, you know, I I, I see both sides, and I think. You know, if a kid wants to play his last game. Yeah, I see both sides of it, too. I'm not going to criticize any guy for going back to play either. If a guy says, I want to play my last game, I won't criticize a guy for that either. But I think that I think I think it goes to uh, along the lines of, you know, we've had all these different discussions about these bowl games and how this bowl system is a complete joke. Like if you're Dwayne Haskins, like. You're saying to yourself, well, God, if this was the Outback Bowl, would I want to play? But God damn, this is the granddaddy of them all. This is. You know, this is the Rose Bowl. The whole like, this is like something you could tell your kids, sixty years from now. Hey, I played in the Rose Bowl in Urban Meyer's last game, and I threw you know five touchdowns. Like, you want to you want to regret that by saying, "Yeah, I just sat out because maybe I would get hurt." You know, a lot of these hypotheticals that kind of drive me crazy. Just think there's something to that. Like, I think this is no, like the outback bowl. He's not going to be out. Maybe, maybe he probably isn't playing this game. Yeah, I was going to say, I kind of wondered that. Like, I, I think the Rose Bowl is the one non-playoff bowl game that has enough cachet yep. uh, to, to even have that enter the decision process. You can I, I don't say think... that, but the granddaddy of them all to every kid on Ohio State, that's a consolation prize. It's not what they came to Ohio State to play for. Well, yeah, I get it, but it doesn't mean it's still not a special bowl game. No, it's I mean... special, but it's still not where they wanted to be. They don't want to be playing the Rose Bowl. They'll take it because, okay, it's cool. And, yeah, it's got a lot of cachet. And historically, it's been a big deal. But to them, it's not where they wanted to be. Would Dwayne Haskins be playing in the Peach Bowl? No. I mean, I I guess I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Hey, you know, a lot of it it is about how much these kids love football. You know, some of these kids, they probably don't. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for just wanting to go out. He went to Ohio State. He's really going to play for one year. Um, if he says, I want to play in every game I possibly can for the year that I'm here, I'm not going to criticize the guy for that either. Like I said, I don't really have a problem with it either way. Um, I can see both sides of it. And if I was telling a kid what to do, I might advise him to do one thing, but I'm not definitely not going to criticize him for doing the other either. And that Greer kid, he's, he's married and he's got some kids at West Virginia. That plays a huge role into all this. Oh yeah, that. for sure. You know, and that in Haskins, he's only got 12 games on or what maybe 12 and a half because he played in the Michigan game last year but he doesn't have a huge you know he's a kind of like Trubisky he doesn't you know when he came out he doesn't doesn't have not have a huge resume 
to his name. I mean, I know he's got these incredible stats, but uh, you know, it's always. So, what do you expect out? What do you expect out of him in the Rose Bowl? Oh, I think he'll do well. You know, Washington's got a tough defense, though. And I know Michigan had a tough defense too. No, I, I think I think that could be a three touchdown kind of game. Right? They win by minimum, like forty-five to twenty-one kind of game. You think like they're just? You think they're just up and down the field all game? Uh, it's so hard to judge because these long layoffs, and you know, sometimes the offenses take a while to get get going. But um, yeah, I, I would think. Don't you think they're gonna whip it up? I honestly think the fact that Haskins is playing in the game um, probably means, yeah, they're going to try to score a ton of points because um, he has he has a chance to go over five thousand yards, throw fifty touchdowns on the season, um, and just sort of he'll be at. I mean, this season will be at the top of the Ohio State record books for a long time, yeah. um, and he has a chance to make it something. I mean, it's already been pretty insane, right? But. He can make it even more nuts, I think, if if he just goes off. And the fact that he is coming back for one last game, I don't think. And in Urban's send off, like all the things are sort of aligning that Ohio State's going to go all out, right, and try right. to try to do everything they possibly can in this game. I noticed Washington has played in a lot of low scoring games this year, and I was kind of wondering about their defense. Having said that, I'm a little bit shocked that the line in this game is Ohio State only favored by six and a half and the over under is only 57. I think, I just think there's wow. some ambiguity. There's, I mean, there's, I think there probably is still questions about how much Haskins will play in the game. Um, I, I don't know. It's sort of like the, 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 the uncertainty. Right. That, yeah. That he, yeah. Probably that he maybe comes out, maybe has one or two drives looks good. And then they, they, they sit him and get, um, Tate Martell on there, and I'll tell you what: if Tate Martell comes in, they're not scoring. Wait, you a think ton they're going to sit the Haskins after two drives? For the whole I don't game? know. I don't know, Poro. Oh, I'm not I'd in the room, man. I'm not in the room, man. Uh, I would, I would fall off the chair if that happened. But if you're betting the under, you don't think Haskins is playing the whole game, do you? Oh, absolutely. If it's a close game, I mean, yeah. If it's if the if they're up by you know twenty eight points in the third quarter or fourth quarter. Well, if you think one team is going to be up 28, you're probably not. I mean, I just think like if you're betting under 57, do you really think I'm not betting Washington? under? Are you crazy? No, I know. we're talking about from the perspective of the under better. Not not you or me. Oh, I'm not I taking see. it either. Bet I'm saying team. if you're betting the under. I think that's a fool's bet, but I mean, I, don't know. I, I probably agree, but I could also see Ohio State winning like 35 to 10 and then you win easy. Yeah, that's true. There's a non-zero chance Ohio State puts up 57 on their own in this game. That's it's. I think it's possible. I mean, look at what they did to, to Michigan. Right. So, yeah, and I think they could come out with, with almost as much fire as they had in that game, and I don't think Washington's as good as Michigan was. So basically, Travis, what you're saying is that behind the closed doors, Haskins has told everybody, I'm leaving, and Urban's saying, well, if we can get up 21 nothing in the second quarter or 28 nothing in the second quarter – Let's just go to the guy, other guy now, and let's just ride it out and make sure he doesn't get hurt. Is that kind of what you're saying? From from a team perspective, if he has told people that he's leaving, if I was Ryan Day, I'd want to get the guy that might be starting for me next year some reps. Now, who knows if it ends up being him or Justin Fields? But yeah, if you can get Martell some significant game reps, the first ones he's actually had, give him like a few actual drives. 
that's valuable. I mean, I know yeah. it's it's not a lot, but that's not nothing either. I, it, it, it just seems like it's weird that I don't think he's told anybody. But maybe I'm wrong. I, I I'd be surprised if he told anybody he was coming out. Yeah, I think if he family. told someone, it would have gotten out by now. Yeah, I mean, some. I thought I read a couple reports with headlines that said he's heavily heavily leaning to the NFL. But I mean, yeah, it's just that that would seem that would seem a really odd way that would play out on TV. Like, yeah, he's on the bench in the second quarter. Like, what? What? Like, what's going on? <laughs> That'd be weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that he would come out that early, but I could see maybe after three quarters or something if the game's out of hand. Yeah, I don't know that I expected. I think it's sort of weird because usually by now, a guy of his stature will have announced whether he's coming back or leaving. Um, Even if he was going to play in the game, he might still say, because Draymond Jones, he came out and said he's leaving. Michael Weber said he's leaving. Um, It's sort of weird. And and the one thing that was funny was Mike Weber posted his – his announcement on Instagram that said, Hey, I'm going to go to the NFL. Thanks. Ohio state, blah, blah, blah. And Dwayne Haskins posted that he was going to miss him. So that just throws everybody off even more. Right. Cause it's like, Uh-oh. wait a minute. I stop mean, toying would, with us now. Listen, I would not put it past him to come back. I mean, I'd be, I'd be honestly, I'd be stunned because a, his stock, I don't think his stock can get higher and B he's already going to be probably first quarterback off the board and the class is so much deeper next year who's coming out next year uh Tua from um Herbert Herbert, the guy that was that came back this year um the class is just a lot deeper it's it's I don't know I don't don't know if he if he's going to be going like even if you're the first quarterback off the board I'm I'm not sure if there's a quarterback that's going to go top five or I mean, I mean, it'll depend on what teams are where, because I think a lot of those teams that are going to be in the top five or six, they've they've got quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, in that case, they're auctioning off their pick to a team that's further down the draft right, board maybe. and is desperate right. to get up. Somebody right. always drafts a quarterback, even that's if it's true. a reach. Yeah, it's not like he's – I mean, who was the last time that – was Geno Smith the first one off the board? And he went super late. No. Geno he, went like, he went like second round. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last one where like a quarterback, it took forever for a quarterback to come off the board. Yeah, I don't remember. It's extremely rare. Right. And Haskins is good enough that I don't think we would see a repeat of that. Yeah, exactly. All right, boys. We've covered a lot of ground. I don't know that we settled anything about the future of the playoff. But <laughs> All right, uh, so I guess let's let's make our picks then. I got Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Alabama over Clemson again. Yeah, I'm going Al- or Ohio State big, as Corsa would say. I'll take uh, Notre Dame in a squeaker, and I'll, I'll take Bama to win a game by like about 10 to 14 points over Oklahoma, and then um, definitely Alabama over Notre Dame. All right, I will take Ohio State big. Uh, I'm going to take Clemson by two touchdowns. That way I'll collect on my uh, cheeseburger bet with my dad on the uh, the betting line of that game. (laughs) Nice. It's really the important thing here. Right. That's what matters. (laughs) I think Alabama uh, in a close high scoring game with Oklahoma, I like Alabama. And then I like Clemson to win the national title. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. You know, I got to give the the, the playoff, uh, at least they came to their senses and stopped this nonsense of, of New Year's Eve games and 
yeah it's on a saturday night you know it's 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 agreed it's where it should be it's it's gonna be a fun fun agreed. Night veg out on your couch yeah unanimous on that front yep all right Pardo, this has been fun thank you man absolutely have a good new year guys all right you too we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher, and you can stream us also on waitingfornextyear.com. Our thanks again to Mark Podolsky, sports editor of the News Herald. You can follow him at mpodo on Twitter. And uh, that will do it for us for this week. So for Travis Julia, I'm Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again soon. Have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag.